Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Freedom of Species would like to acknowledge the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, who are the traditional owners of the land on which we broadcast today. We pay our respect to the elders of all of the lands on which we meet across Australia. Welcome to Freddy's PC. My name is Harley. I'll be your host today on 3CR Community Radio. Um, here on Freedom of Species, every week we're bringing animal advocacy to the radio um, and to your airwaves. Um, and this week I'm going to be playing an interview I did actually a couple of weeks ago now to chat with some people in BC, Canada, who are facing some pretty serious charges for their work. Um, exposing the practices of um, Excelsior Hog Farm in British Columbia. So we recorded the interview a couple of weeks back and their trial actually starts tomorrow. So it's a great time to hear about their story and support them as well, which we talk about at the end of the interview, how you can get involved and how you can support um, these three amazing people and their trial. And just before we dive into the interview, I just wanted to put in a couple of reminders. Um, so first off, as some of you probably know, last week was our radiothon. So we were raising money for our station, 3CR Community Radio. Um, hopefully it's listening live right now. Um, and although last week we had a special radiothon episode, you can still donate and we would really encourage people to donate to support community radio. So check us out online, go to 3cr.org.au com.au try both of them google 3cr give it a shot um and yeah support us support community radio we'd be thrilled absolutely thrilled um another quick thing is that last week we had wanted to put a shout out to some amazing campaign work and some wins that have been happening in melbourne which some of you may be aware of some of you may not um but Melbourne Against Horse-Drawn Carriages is a campaign that has been running for over eight years to shut down the practice of horse-drawn carriages in Melbourne. And really recently, they actually had a massive win um, and succeeded in the use of horse-drawn carriages being banned in the CBD. Uh, so this is really big. It's built off years and years of hardworking people campaigning um, to end this. Um, and it's something we should be Personally, I think celebrating its community, um, this fight to end the exploitation of animals is a long one. It's a long game. It's a marathon. Um, we should be celebrating the wins where they come. So amazing work to all those campaigners, all those people who put in so many, so many hours, um, days, weeks to campaign against this. Um, and you can find out more about them on, well, by looking up Melbourne Against Horse and Carriages on social media or on Google. We also did an interview with Kristen a couple of weeks back, actually, just before the election. Um, so really recommend checking that out on our podcast. And finally, before we dive into the interview um, with the three, Excelsior, out of, three out of the Excelsior four, I just wanted to say quickly that just to note that there are some graphic imagery in the interview um, describing um, what happens to animals on farm so if you're a bit if you're sensitive to that um, just just be mindful um, that that does come up in the interview um, but without further ado I will put us put the interview on and yeah stick around and learn about the Excelsior 4 and their trial in British Columbia Canada. I'm really excited today to be joined by three animal activists from BC in Canada, um, which is yeah awesome. You know, I've all always loved being the, the international correspondent for freedom of species, and we're going to be talking about their upcoming court case. So, 
just a bit about the three people I'm joining and then I'll throw over to them to tell you more. Um, so I'm joined by Amy Soprano, Nick Schaefer and Roy Sassano. Please correct me if I'm wrong with any of those names. And they're three out of the activists known as the Excelsior Four. Um, together, they're facing a combined 18 indictable offences, which is the highest criminal level in the Canadian court for revealing what happens to animals inside factory farms. So the trial is starting on the 27th of June, which I believe is tomorrow when this airs, and could have massive implications for those who are exposing animal exploitation in Canada and across the world. So thank you so much, all of you, for coming on Freedom of Species to share your story with our listeners. It's fantastic to have you. Thank you for thank having you so us. For having us, yes, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. We're honored to be here. Amy, what's okay. your name? Amy Serrano. <laughs> Serrano, awesome. <laughs> thank you. Cool. So I'll just kick us off with a question. Um, so for our listeners who might not have heard about you and your case, uh, it would be great to have a little bit of background about what's been happening and kind of what you're facing. So would you be able to talk me through what has happened to lead to the trial and what charges you're facing? Wow, it's quite a story. Um, should I give it a crack and then you guys can <laughs> pop in with what I missed? Go you started yeah, talking. So go for it. You. It's your turn now. Oh, so sorry. <laughs> yeah. Great. We had a chat with our lawyers yesterday because they heard that we're doing an interview and we had an emergency call um, <laughs> to make sure that we didn't talk about something that we're not supposed to. So some answers we might be kind of skirting around um, just to protect our case. But this case is extremely extensive um, and it starts in 2019. Um, where should we start? Meet the victims? I think... I think the, the, the week before meet the, meet the Victims is a good place to start personally. Okay, so an anonymous whistleblower released <laughs> footage to PETA um, from Excelsior Hawk Farm. It, it was an investigation where video footage was taken inside the farm and um, released out to the public. So PETA released it, CTV News released it, and it became a national news story. It became a huge, huge news story because... Go ahead, Roy. I might, I might jump in just to explain that Excelsior Hog Farm is in Abbotsford, British Columbia, uh, Canadian West Coast, about 100 kilometers east of Vancouver. Yeah, and it's considered a, well, it's touted as a local family farm, um, but of course it's this huge sort of industrial monster um, where, yeah, animals are confined, they're inside these warehouses. Um, it's a large factory farm. And... So yeah, the footage of these animals, I mean, there was footage of dead animals in pens being eaten by other live animals. There was footage of animals with hernias and growths, um, bloody lacerations, animals who couldn't walk. So they had to languish and slowly die on a filthy concrete floor. Um, the footage was just atrocious. So it did get picked up by media. And shortly thereafter, um, we staged a mass farm occupation. Um, so we embarked on a meet the victims action where 200 activists went to this farm in response to that footage and 65 activists attempted to get inside the barns. 50 successfully did. Includes me, Nick and Roy and um, others. And at that time I was the only one taken into custody. And as a result of a massive police investigation, Roy, Nick, and um, another defendant, Jeff, were added to the case. So it became the four of us that they were sort of going after. And at that point, does anyone else want to take the story from here? I guess we could backtrack a bit like we had been before. So they're investigating this thing. And during that investigation, the Abbotsford Police Department is looking at a file of this report of cameras that they found inside Excelsior Hog Farm a month before this Meet the Victims action uh, by the way, uh, uh, obviously, there's an Australian connection there with Meet the Victims. Uh, thank you very much for that. Uh, very inspiring. Um, so a month before the Meet the Victims action, there were these cameras that they found, and the owners of the farm, the Binnendike family, uh, they viewed the footage from the SD cards on those cameras. They called the police, um, supposedly handed those SD cards over with all this, uh, all this footage, this key evidence that would become key evidence in our case, 
uh, and then those SD cards meant missing sometime in that process. Uh, so I think that's kind of an important thing, like after after Meet the Victims and the rest, looking back a month, that there's all this evidence leading up to it that's uh, had gone missing somewhere in that process, being viewed, viewed by the industry workers and by the police. Um, it should probably also be noted that when PETA released this footage initially, um, they did file an animal cruelty report with the BC SPCA. Um, so the BC SPCA is a private charity, but they are in charge of enforcing animal cruelty laws um, for all animals, but even farmed animals. So they're the only enforcement body that would help, quote unquote, try and protect these animals. And they have effectively done nothing, um, unfortunately. They did call the farm and with their consent, a rescheduled an investigation of their farm for over a week later. So they gave the farm time to clean up their act, clean up the farm um, before the SPCA would show up. And then once they did investigate, they said, oh, well, we don't see that there's anything wrong. And they closed the case. Um, and then they also stated that they couldn't, they stated in the media because there was obviously public outrage with the Meet the Victims action and it became very, very publicized. And the SPCA stated in the media that they will not recommend charges against this farm because whoever filmed this anonymous footage had not come forward. So they couldn't really authenticate that footage. And they said, well, if that person did come forward, I mean, there is footage of criminal animal cruelty here and criminal animal neglect. So subsequently, Jeff, our other, our fourth defendant, who's not with us today, um, he eventually went forward and he claimed responsibility for that footage. And the SPCA, instead of using that information to help prosecute the farm, they immediately called the Abbotsford police and handed over Jeff's information to them, which resulted in Jeff's charges. I gotta say, I think for me, this is the craziest part of the story. Um, when I was, yeah, like kind of following this case and reading up about the story, um, like reading up about what has happened um, and just, yeah, that, that, that twist of the very kind of group who are supposed to be enforcing and protecting these animals uh, that not only kind of saying, oh, we can't do anything, but then turning over a whistleblower um, is absolutely crazy. Um, I can only imagine like what it would have been like for, for Jeff and for all of you kind of to see that happen. And I, I'm just going to add this, just I know it's bad no matter what, but they have a confidentiality policy. It says, we don't do that. You know, we protect your identity unless we get a warrant or unless we need your identity to proceed with animal cruelty charges. This is, you know, that's in, in writing, relatively unambiguous, uh, and definitely verbally repeated to, uh, to Jeff and, and anybody who, who does this kind of thing. Uh, and despite that, they, they, the cops didn't even ask nothing at all just they decided on their own to call the cops and do this so the british columbia society to prevent trespassing or whatever i guess you call them. Mm, crazy um so just to jump in quickly so we've talked a bit about yeah meet the victims um which as you kind of mentioned roy that yeah does have its, its roots in australia um and as a as a tactic um However, I'm aware that some of our listeners might not have been on a Meet the Victims um, or might not be familiar with what it involves. Um, so it would, it would be great if someone could kind of talk a little bit about what it's like to be part of an action like that and then also what happened on this particular action um, with the, the kind of the occupation and then the subsequent arrests. I had been inside farms before. I um, had participated in investigations and rescues, and that's something that I had experienced and something that I felt was so profound is that being there in person is so different than watching the footage. Um, obviously, most people are very, very impacted by watching documentaries like Dominion or Earthlings um, or watching a PETA video like it's it's very emotional but there's this whole other level when you're there in person and I often describe it as um, like if you're an empathetic person and you're around other people who are suffering or are in some sort of anguish like 
you carry a part of that. You can sense it. You can feel it. If other people are angry or sad, you know, like you start feeling that you are impacted by their emotions or their pain or what they're going through. And when you're surrounded by animals who are suffering, never mind so many animals that are suffering, um, and potentially like screaming or calling out or like thriving in pain or are dying, it's really, really intense. And you sense that and you feel that. And it's not just this, the sounds and the smells and everything, but it is like this sort of emotional, I don't know, it's different. And it affected me so much. Go ahead, Roy. I think, I think what it is, is when you see the video, it's, it's obviously hard. And keep in mind, we're not even the ones experiencing that pain directly, but it's hard. And then here you are having to be the one to decide that once I'm done here, I'm leaving you. Exactly. That, that's, we, that's a... Yeah, exactly. That, that's what I was going to say too, is that we all got to walk out of there. Like our charges, whatever happens to us, you know, jail time, wh whatever ends up happening to us, like we still have our lives. We still have our heads. We still have, we still have our quote unquote freedom. Um, we had to leave every single one of those animals behind. And Amy always says like, it's true. We carry that with us every day. Um, it's really hard to go in there and see that happening and know that we can't do anything about it, no matter what we do in, in the grand scheme of things on that day. Unfortunately, all of those animals in there still ended up dying. And that's hard. I guess part of what I, where I was going with with that, though, is that I felt going into these places and feeling those feelings solidified like this fire inside of me to do more, to be more effective as an activist. And I wanted other activists to feel that. Um, and I also felt like the footage that we were obtaining as investigators, I mean, how, how much of an impact was that making? Where was that footage going? Was that getting on national or international news? Um, and oftentimes it wasn't. And so I just felt like there was something bigger that we could do. I really hoped that if we took a whole bunch of other activists inside, that that would really light a fire inside of all of them to then go out and feel really convicted. Um, so that's where Meet the Victims, I guess, came from. I was very, very inspired by, of course, Leah in Australia. And um, I started learning from her and talking with her. And we did the thing. We went inside. We sat down in a row of um, pregnant mother pigs who were confined in gestation crates um, that are basically the size of their own bodies. There are these steel rods around them where um, they can take one step forward and backwards. They can't really turn around or move much um some of them can't even like turn their heads to look around it's just this extreme confinement and we sat down next to them and spent time with them documented them and amplified their voices shared their stories until mainstream media got inside to do that i think it's such a powerful thing there of that that joint reflection of the the pain and the heartbreak and then but that like ignition of that fire and that drive to keep fighting um and i think that's a good point to break for a song and we'll be back talking more about activism in canada with these three amazing people um and talking about their upcoming trial for exposing reality of factory farms so the first song i'm going to play is well for a starters it's one of my favorite songs and it's also i think if you listen to the lyrics really relevant to the topic and what we're talking about um i think this this feeling of heartbreak and just kind of still longing to be seen and to see and bear witness to suffering um really speaks to me when i listen to this song so i'm going to be playing keep me in the open by gang of youths be right back after this song
don't know if I blame you for being so distant But I'm trying to be real with you And God, it's been a hell of a week And I just want to relate to you in a true way If it means being here with you And hey, I am trying to be Struggle to think of you in a harsh way I know that it's weird But I still see for the human beneath I wish that I was in love with your endless bullshit But I'm a heart in the gutter type Asleep on a stranger's knee I'm getting used to the sleepless hours from sundown The terrible dreams that lead me terrible truths But in my blood some electrical yearning carries an impulse to get shit-faced on you Tell me how I can do this thing Tell me how I can help this thing go easily Cause I'm trying honeybee Tell me how I can beat this thing Tell me how I can make this beast die easily God damn it, honeybee And get a load of the kid in the gangrene t-shirt They were the gateway band The pastor and the teacher to me Still wanna be real with the things they believed in But since we've been talking I'm not sure if I believe anything Take a look at the girl with the long-range rifle The one with the crew cut She reminds me of a version of you Laying low in a field someplace in Mosul Everything get this weird How the fuck did it start? Did you ever believe in me? Was it always so hard? Tell me how I can do this thing Tell me how I can help this thing go easily Cause I'm trying, honeybee The line is close, the way is hard CR Radiothon 2022. 3CR. Keep community strong. 3CR Radiothon fundraiser. June 2022. To donate, call 03 9419 8377 or donate online at 3cr.org.au. 3CR Radiothon 2022. Keep community strong. 
welcome back to Freedom Species here on 3CR Community Radio. Um, my name's Harley, um, I'm your host for today, and I'm joined by three of the four out of the Excelsior Four, as they're known, who are, basically, are just about to kind of go to trial um, for exposing the realities of what's happening to animals inside of factory farms in Canada. But as we've been talking about, um, and as I'm sure we'll continue to talk about, you know, and as we all know, um, it's not just about factory farms, it's about the use of animals altogether. Um, and I think that's a good jumping off point to get into another question I have. Um, and as you've mentioned before, there's things that you can't say because of the legal reasons. So, you know, be as careful as you need to. Um, but I wanted to ask, because a lot of the focus in your demands is on the, the BCSPCA, um, and for listeners not familiar, this would be the equivalent to our RSPCA, so the body officially responsible for, I believe, investigating breaches to animal cruelty and enforcing legislation, correct me if I'm wrong. Um, so I wanted to ask a bit more about their role in all of this and also the demands that you're making of them. I might jump in with a couple things here. Uh, SPCAs around the world can be different and completely unaffiliated even within one country. I know that, and there's some that do municipalities and cities and some that do provinces or states or whatever. The BC SPCA is obviously the British Columbia's uh, SPCA, which, like you said, is became the de facto uh, enforcement agency for animal cruelty in the province just because, you know, a century ago, there's no thought of even caring at all about that. And this organization existed and the government kind of started working with them and eventually they became more or less officially the animal cops um, in some other, some, some other Canadian provinces, even like in Montreal, they're uh, as far as I can tell, a pretty effective uh, organization uh, that actually does things to help animals. Um, and keep in mind the BC SPCA does a good job with cats and dogs and whatever. Either way, some SPCAs are better than others and they're all different. So whatever the BC SPCA did, uh, no one necessarily take it out on your local SPCA. Um, so that's, that's what they are. Um, yeah. <laughs> Boom. Yeah. Um, so for demands, actually maybe, yeah, we'll, we'll start, we'll talk about demands. Uh, originally, um, the demand was that they recommend animal cruelty charges against Excelsior hog farms. The way it works is they gather their evidence, they make a file, and they recommend it to um, uh, Crown Councils, probably the same as in Australia or similar to how it works there when people get charged with things. Uh, and then the Crown, the government, um, proceeds from there. Uh, obviously, the, from what Amy said before, that did not happen. Uh, and with the turning over of a whistleblower... Uh, I think uh, it definitely changed things. And we were saying, hey, you can't do your job. You're not doing your job. We even did a freedom of information request and found a letter saying to the government, hey, we can't do this job. We don't want to do this job anymore. Uh, and yet they're still uh, going public saying, oh, yeah, we're, we're enforcing animal cruelty and taking donations from the public and, and uh, keeping that responsibility. Well, uh, now we're saying you need to step down. Um, uh, we need to put the pressure on the government to accelerate a uh, transition to an accountable uh, public agency, and and hopefully that happens sometime soon. Yeah, it's pretty shocking to see that the BC SPCA CEO himself, Craig Daniel, literally wrote to the government saying that they are unfit for the job, that they don't have the capacity to regulate commercial farms in BC, um, and that they don't want to. But yet, they're refusing to step down and relinquish those duties. So meanwhile, animals on farms, of course, no matter what, if there's an animal farm, animals are suffering or they're going to suffer. But regardless, given the fact that we do live in this unfortunate system where there are farms, there are animal farms, um, these, these animals aren't monitored, they're not protected, and even the illegal cruelties that take place, they're not being prosecuted. And I know we talked a little bit about the animal suffering at Excelsior Hog Farm, but beyond that, we also mentioned briefly that the farm found hidden cameras on their property um, and handed that over to the police. Well, hidden other hidden camera footage was also re revealed from this farm 
that exposed the owners and operators of Excelsior committing criminal animal cruelty. They were electric prodding pigs in the face. They were hitting and kicking animals. They were tearing off the tails and ripping out the testicles of screaming piglets with no pain relief um, and other things. And yet still, even with that clear documented evidence showing literally the farm owner's faces, um, the SPCA isn't doing anything about it. And of course, Excelsior is not the first farm where animal cruelty has gone unprosecuted. I think it's, yeah, it's, it's what you're saying is like, well, for starters, it's the state of the industry that it's so problematic and just um, systemically exploitative, but also just systemically unable to meet the, sta the, the very limited standards it already has, that the body that's trying to enforce it kind of admits that it can't do that. Um, but I think that's, yeah, that's the kind of the crux of it, right? That if, if there's a body that's there to enforce these kind of legislation and that they themselves acknowledge that they can't, then why wouldn't they step down? Why wouldn't they make way for you know, this demand of a more independent body with the capacity? Um, and how have you been going with that? Like, I know there's a petition. I know there's been of actions around this demands and the demands to the BCSPCA. Um, how's that kind of been moving? I'm going to say that it's really up in the air and, and actually something came up in pre-trial that uh, might kind of show us what direction it could be going. Um, so we had our pre-trial hearings starting on March 28th of this year. Uh, and we went in with the intention of exposing misconduct by the BCSPCA, which we described, and misconduct by the Abbotsford Police Department, which we described a little bit as well. Um, and we were very optimistic uh, seeing all that getting laid out on the table. Uh, and there was some small victory there because after hearing those arguments, the Crown Counsel, the Crown Lawyer, uh, decided to drop all of Jeff's charges. He was the one that was turned, who was turned over by the BCSPCA. Uh, and we, uh, our lawyers had argued that that was uh, an abusive process, uh, which, you know, sounds really scary to me. And apparently it's a big deal uh, to lawyers. Um, and it looks like Crown didn't give an official reason, but those charges went away uh, after those arguments were made. Uh, now, the thing is that we were trying to get more out of the BCSPCA in this process, more information about what they did, um, what, like regarding their investigations, regarding their decision to turn a whistleblower over. Uh, but with the charges dropped, um, it becomes much more difficult. And they basically escaped any of that scrutiny uh, within trial. So now everything we do with the SPCA is uh, purely uh, out of public pressure, I think. Um, uh, that's, that's the direction that's going to go. Yeah, and I think the other problem, I don't I, I cut out for a little bit, but I don't know if we glazed over the fact that um, the SPC, SPCA is a publicly funded charity. So if there's a animal cruelty complaint, um, we can't, they're not subject to FOI. We can't look Pri into Privately it. funded, privately funded. What did I say? Probably. Public. Oh, yeah, privately funded. Um, yeah, so there's no way we can see who their donors are. We don't know if, you know, industry is donating. We don't know um, if anything's happening with any of the animal cruelty cases that have been looked into. Um, so it's another reason why I think it's a good idea to have a government body take over so we can look into things like that. We can, you know, look into any case that gets reported as for animal cruelty. And right now we can't do that. Absolutely. So seeking that transparency. Yeah, there's no transparency at all in a self-regulated industry. Industry, which also leads to another one of our sort of goals and asks right now, which is for the government to implement mandatory CCTV cameras inside all farms, hatcheries, and slaughterhouses in the province. Um, because if they're going to prosecute activists for going in and taking footage, but yet the industry itself claims that they are so transparent and you know, they make all of these marketing claims. Well, they're not, and they need to take steps to do so. And if even the BCSPCA says, well, we, we don't have the capacity to monitor all these farms, well, put something in place that could. 
um, so people could actually keep an eye on these farms, keep an eye on these animals, um, and there is a little bit more of transparency and accountability. It really Absolutely. seems like the least they could do at this point. And yeah, you mentioned this, yeah, the prosecution of activists, which I feel like is a nice segue into talking about the charges and talking about, I guess, the what you're facing and what it feels like to be facing these charges. Um, so just a little bit of like, I guess, to get it straight in my head and for our listeners. So there was an investigation which led to this expose of these horrific practices. And then that was followed by this oh. Meet the Victims. Um, and then following that, there were arrests made, I believe, were you taken into custody, Amy? And then charges um, for four of you. Um, and is it that three of you are still facing those charges and will be going to court? Um, so a little bit like just, I guess in Australia, we've had this long battle um, and this ongoing battle against increasingly repressive like ag-gag laws. Um, and these, as we've mentioned, aim to restrict the work of exposing the animal use industries and their practices. And we were talking on a recent show about the effects of oppression on actions. So I'm interested to hear all of you on both kind of what you're facing and what it feels like to face these serious charges um, for exposing you know, cruelty and exploitation. And then also on the question of how do we, how do you think we can continue to mobilize and take action while facing these increased threats? Uh, I, might, I might say something preliminary thing here. Uh, so even before ag-gag, it was always tricky to find out what would work, how much effort, time, people, money uh, to put into a certain thing. Um, and I don't know if we'll ever know. Like Historians at some point will, will tell us, uh, or won't tell us, but will explain how well we did. Um, but we, we make the best decisions that we can, uh, and we tr try to make the best out of whatever comes out of it. And I think we're definitely uh, uh, seeing some good results here. Um, uh, re with regards to ag-gag in particular, uh, we've been lucky. It looks like there are some rumblings about it in British Columbia, but not right now. Uh, there's possibly a federal ag-gag bill. Like one got squashed, uh, which is kind of a funny story in itself. Um, it got squashed as soon as someone made an amendment saying, these laws should apply to the farm workers too, uh, with regards to biosecurity. And then as soon as that came in, all of a sudden no one wanted to support it. Um, uh, but the province of Ontario, uh, maybe Amy, you can talk about this, and Nick, I guess, uh, as well, um, does have an egg-egg law. Yeah, but the interesting thing with that is it's not a criminal offense. Um, so if you're charged under... Bill 156, which is their ag gag law in Ontario, um, it's essentially like a trespass ticket. It's like getting like a speeding ticket or something. Um, it's a milder offense than what we're facing now in British Columbia, not under ag gag. So I think it sounds scary. I think it's meant to intimidate. Um, and it is definitely the industry using a lot of resources and time. Like they're trying to strategize of like, how do we stop these people? Um, which I also think is a sign of, I don't know, it, like we're in the next level of this movement now. This is the industry and the government and the law enforcement systems that like fighting back. And I think that that is a step. That's a step to animal liberation. We are going to be fought against. And as much as we can look at that as like, oh, oh my gosh, like, no, why is this happening? This is so awful. Um, it's also, I think... A good thing and it also reveals how untransparent the industry is if they are so afraid of cameras and i mean that's essentially what it is it's not the humans it's the cameras going inside these places to reveal what's happening doesn't that show consumers how atrocious it is isn't that an indication in itself that they are so desperate to hide what's happening and the fact that i've done all sorts of types of activism and targeted many different aspects of things, including uh, like bank lockdowns. I've done like lots of different stuff to target different sponsorships of events and whatever. And it's interesting that the biggest criminal repercussions I've ever faced is this, is a camera inside a farm. 
that's really interesting to me. Um, even though disrupting businesses, preventing businesses from doing their jobs, you know, that's not as big of a threat as just simply revealing what's happening. Um, I don't know, Nick, do you want to talk about the charges, like the exact charges we're facing and what that could mean for us? Yeah. And I also think it's important to note that with like ad gig laws, like you were saying, oh no, like they're, they're implementing ad gig laws. Like what are we going to do? Um, instead of looking at it, like a fear of them implementing ad gig laws and coming down harder, I think that's a sign of what we're doing is working. So maybe like a little bit of a, the harder they push back, the, the more afraid that they are, the, the more that they notice what we're doing and the more it shows that what we're doing is working. So I think, you know, as bad as it is, it's also kind of a good sign. Um, but yeah, our charges. Uh, <laughs> um, so yeah, I think you did mention that we're facing a combined 18 um, indictable offenses, which is the highest, you know, criminal offense in Canada, um, with each charge holding the potential of up to 10 years in prison. Uh, so for myself, that's 70, 70 years, Amy at 70 years, uh, Roy, I think that's 40, 40 years. Yeah, I'm not worried at all. <laughs> You're good. <laughs> You'll be out in no time. Yeah, no time at all. Um, so yeah, it's, it's heavy. It's a lot of, it's a lot of jail time. Um, I don't know if that's what we're going to see, um, but it's definitely a possibility. Our lawyers don't really want us talking too much about it, but um, they have mentioned that, yeah, it's, it is a definite possibility, and the Crown is pushing for jail. Mantengamos la fuerza en la comunidad. Keep community strong. El llegó. Time to donate. Are you wondering how you can pledge your support for a 3CR radio program during Radiothon? It's easy. Call us on 9419 8377 or visit our website at 3cr.org.au. Or you can even come into the station at 21 Smith Street, Fitzroy, during office hours and pay by cash, cheque or FVOS. Or simply post us your cheque or money order to P.O. Box 1277 in Collingwood 3066. And thank you for being part of 3CR's annual Radiothon. talk about the exact charges and like what they might mean necessarily but as Nick mentioned like that is that is a lot and I can I, th I think that what you're what you're all saying about you know the that fear that feeling of fear um I think would probably hit like a lot of especially younger or newer activists this feeling of like oh I don't I don't want to face that so how do I take action um so I guess like I'd love to hear any more like words of like, why you still believe that this is like worth doing and even like with facing these charges like if you would go back and do it again. Um, yeah, I think there's a lot of fear definitely with younger activists, but also keep in mind that you don't have to do something that's going to get you arrested. You can show up and be a support. You can show up and be a body. Like there were still 200 activists outside on the street. Um, supporting us and that was a major part of the event as well um so i think it's just about you know taking that first step and kind of letting letting your heart guide you to where where you want to go um as for fear for myself i don't i don't i don't know if that's really going to hit until sentencing happens <laughs> um but yeah i'll let someone else take the next part of the question because i'll probably say something i'm not allowed to by the lawyers <laughs> Um, and when it comes to fear, too, I think that fear is normal. We all have fear. And I think it's to be expected when you're doing activism, um, even more mild forms of activism. It's not comfortable. Like, you feel uncomfortable. It's confronting. Um, but I think we need to challenge ourselves. And we need to look at what's actually making a difference and what is directly helping animals or what could lead to actual legislation change or 
I don't know, we need, we just need to challenge what we know of animal rights and animal activism and just keep pushing ourselves to do better, to be better, um, whatever that means for you. I'm not saying like, go out and do what we did. I don't, I don't know. I don't know if this is the right thing to do. I'm just like, as Nick said, I'm following my heart and I'm allowing that to guide me. And um, I feel this massive sense of urgency. And I think that comes with going in and seeing these animals. It just becomes so real. And that's one farm in one city, in one province, in one country. Like, what is going on? How is this possible? It just seems unimaginable. And to recognize that that's right in your own community, it's devastating, it's shocking. And I do, every day, I feel the sense of urgency that I'm never doing enough. I'm devastated that even what we did do with Excelsior Hog Farm, that wasn't enough to save those animals. As Nick said, they all died in horrific, awful ways. And we can just try and use this as an opportunity to raise as much awareness over the fact that this one farm is representative of the industry. It's not a bad apple. It's not one awful farm that we exposed. Um, in fact, it's probably one of the best of the best it's owned by a board member of the BC Pork Producers Association, and it's still highly regarded by the industry. So to consumers, I like we really, really hope that it will prompt them to become vegan or eat a plant based diet. Um, and we really, really are pushing these other goals. And we hope that one day it will start to sort of shift the needle. Roy, do you have anything to add? I'll say that with regards to motivation to take some kind of action, um, yeah, we do definitely need to look at uh, you know what we what risk it is to us versus what happens to the animals, and uh, it becomes easier to do something. Um, and, and even sometimes you have to think about what happens to activists like uh, uh, Regan Russell, uh, an activist in Ontario, like days after their ag gag law was uh, uh, it, it was it when it was. Um, I think it was when it, the final vote in their legislature, that days after that, uh, she was killed by a, at a save vigil by an industry truck driver. Um, and she used to say things uh, about how, you know, she's never sure if the uh, activism she's doing at that moment is the absolute optimal way, but she did know that if she did nothing, that that would do nothing. I think those are her words, uh, doing nothing does nothing. Um, so for younger activists, I think you have to maybe look at people like that um, who gave their lives uh, to this violent in this industry just for trying to uh, show the animals in a truck, maybe give them water, maybe give them a moment of comfort. Just for doing that, she was killed. Um, so, yeah, we, we can, there is something that we can do. Don't get killed, but... Uh, something we can all do absolutely i think i think a lot of our listeners and i definitely myself can relate to that feeling of urgency and powerlessness um especially when you are repeatedly seeing and experiencing the the lives of these individuals and feeling like well i can't do anything um but i think yeah like that 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 drive that I think pushes all of us who advocate or take action for other species um, is that feeling like, well, I can't do nothing, even if I don't know if I'm going to have an impact, even if I'm going to face consequences. Um, There's the only thing I can do is get up every day and do what I can. Um, so, yeah, I think, you know, very, I think there's this, a lot of hope in that amidst the, the sadness and despair that I think is kind of endemic in our movement. Um, we're very almost out of time. And honestly, I got so caught up that I forgot to break for another song. So apologies to our listeners, but I'm sure just like me, you're completely gripped by these amazing people and their amazing story. Um, so just to kind of wrap up, um, is there anything that people in Australia, but also around the world. We do have listeners tuning in from other parts of the world. What can they do to support you? Like, 
as I said, this will be airing the day before you, your trial starts. Um, and I'm sure people are look, would love ways to support um, what you're facing. Um, so, yeah, let us know. What, what, what can people do? How can people support and follow along? Nick, do you want to take this one? Um, well, I mean, if you're, it's the day before, so I mean, you could try to book a last minute flight to come support us in person at trial. <laughs> I'll be there. <laughs> um, if you are in BC and you are happening to listen to this, um, we are allowed to have people in the courtroom. Um, there will be a demonstration or a support group outside 830 in the morning on the first day of trial, um, the 27th. Um, so that would be greatly appreciated. Uh, we also have a website uh, that we would love for all of you to check out, excelsior4.org. Um, it has all of the up-to-date up information, uh, everything that has been going on so far. Um, we have some petitions that we can sign on there that anyone can sign, um, you know, hopefully to get the mandatory CCTV cameras implemented, um, to get the BCSPCA uh, replaced with a government agency. Um, and of course, there's the GoFundMe uh, would be greatly appreciated as well. So if anyone is in the position to donate financially, um, the GoFundMe link is on there as well. Uh, also, if you're not in the position, um, feel free to share the GoFundMe, share the website, share anything with friends and family or anyone you know that might be in the position. Um, anything helps, like any kind of support at all helps. So um, we even just following, even just following the Twitter uh, account as we go, we're going to try to keep that up to date uh, as as we go. Because um, anything said in front of that jury, uh, we can we can talk about openly uh, right away. So, yeah. So and if you're wondering what we're um, what we're fundraising for, um, that's going directly to our lawyers. So we are facing pretty extreme lawyers' fees, um, like hundreds of thousands of dollars, um, Canadian. So. We've raised a little chunk of that, which we're so <laughs> grateful for, and it is a significant amount of money, but unfortunately, it's just a drop in the bucket. And um, our lawyers, they are very sympathetic to the cause. They're giving us a really good deal, but this is an extensive case. A four-week jury trial is massive, mm -hmm. and this has been three years in the making, so they've put in a lot of work for this, and they can't do that for free. It's not realistic. So yeah, any help would be amazing. We do also have Excelsior 4 t-shirts that we sell on our website mm -hmm. and all the proceeds go to our lawyer's fees. Um, so that could be a fun way to help out and be a part of this. Will those ship around the world? You know? They sure do. Yeah. All right. Yeah, so I mean, anything, <laughs> And another way is like anything you see online about, you know, the Excelsior 4 or anything we share or the Twitter feed, feel free to share it on your stories, share it wherever you want to online and just try to get the word out. Um, that would be greatly appreciated as well. Yeah, all the footage, the video footage that we've talked about, the hidden camera video, the meet the victims action, the PETA video, all of that is on our website. So go check it out, share it. Um, yeah, and we'll see what happens in trial. Yeah. And the last thing I wanted to say was just piggybacking off your last comment about being afraid of the impact that you're going to make. Uh, is this going to make an impact? Is what I'm, you know, the action I'm going to do going to make an impact? Um, whether or not you know it, what kind of impact it's going to make, um, I can guarantee you that doing nothing is going to make no impact. So just do something. 100%. Thank you so much. And thank you so much. Um, once again, if people just tuned in, you missed the show, but... I've just been joined by Amy, Nick, Roy, three out of the four of the Excelsior Four who are facing criminal charges in Canada for exposing what happens to animals um, on farms. Um, amazing guests. Um, fantastic to have you on the show. And, yeah, you heard it. Support them. Share the crowdfunder. Donate if you can. And let's make sure the movement is behind these four, well, three amazing people. Um, and I think, yeah, you know amazing to have you and I think you know you're representing really like all the incredible people who have faced charges for taking action for animals um and yeah we all support you we're all here so yeah thanks so much for coming on Freedom of Species um and lovely to meet you all thank you so much for having us thank you thank you Harley you. well thanks so much for tuning in to Freedom of Species we'll be back next Sunday 1 to 2 p.m Every week we're bringing 
issues affecting animals and the people fighting for them to the radio um, and to the airwaves of 3CR Community Radio. Don't forget, you can still donate to our radio phone. Um, I'm going to finish with a song by Alt J, which really moved me when I first heard it, and I hope it moves you. So this is Get Better by Alt J. Hallelujah, listening to a recording of you sleeping next to me. Acapella, I'm listening to you cover Elliot Smith's Angelis. It's these times I'll need if you go. It's these times I'll need if you go. So get better, my darling. I know you will. Get better, my darling. I know you will get better. I'm drawn to the motorway, the cold wash of trucks passing. There's night time under sodium light. The orange spread is all quietening. A younger you and a younger me Meeting at the serpent time I am yours, you are mine Happy birthday stuff Smuggled in a card I made to dress under your pillow When out of I see you You cringe at all the I love yous The card retired the life of one by row At this time I wanted you to know At this time I wanted you to know Get better My darling I hope you will Get better My darling I hope you will Get better I'll start the day With tiramisu Raise a spoon to Frontline workers And underfunded Principles they risk all to be there for us A younger you and a younger me Meeting at the serpent time I am yours, you are mine You are the baker oppressing this new era with the smell of freshly baked bread. You're teller, I'll keep it in the cellar. You're always a fan of that spread. Six months on, there's a car crash outside the fire brigade. Using the jaws of life, no flush at night. To sound your return, I still pretend You're only out of sight From garden bouquet, I threw it at the fire brigade I was admonished and told to go back inside From the living room window, I stand and watch the white sheet go Over the family car and I close my eyes I still pretend you're only out of sight in another room Smiling at your phone, I still pretend You're only out of sight in another room Smiling at your phone, I still pretend You're only out of sight in another room Smiling at your phone, I still pretend you're only out of sight in another room Smiling at your phone, I still pretend Hey, young me, hey, young 
Listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.